Second Corinthians, we're going to begin in, in a two weeks from today. Next week, we'll have that discussion we promised on those articles we published about prophecy in the church. So if you want to read the latest CIC, there's two articles in there. And we have make a claim in there about prophecy being something that all Christians can do, but yet it's not a mystical thing. So we want to discuss that, those concepts. Now, Second Corinthians. <clears throat> we got about 20 minutes here. I want to introduce the, the book. Paul had a very tenuous relationship with the Corinthians. And we can see a lot of that by reading 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And so 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to defend his apostolic ministry and his authority and his message. Now, the Corinthians were um, listening to people that were claiming to be super apostles, claiming to be spiritual, claiming to have some higher order spirituality. And in their um, uh, estimation, Paul wasn't like that. So his authority was challenged. Now we have two previous letters, 1 Corinthians and then the so-called sorrowful letter that we that's not extant. We don't know what was in that letter. So part of the interpretive uh, issue we need in 2 Corinthians is to try to read between the lines to find out what he's reacting to as far as what was written in that sorrowful letter that we don't have and their response to the letter because he was calling for them to repent. Uh, I have a few things here. I want to just cite from uh, one of my commentaries. <clears throat> Paul's physical absence from Corinth apparently created a theological and administrative vacuum that others moved to fill. Um, in two letters, a previous letter now lost, 1 Corinthians 5, 9-13, and 1 Corinthians, Paul challenged important persons in the community for their ethical misbehavior and their association with idolatry. Paul sent Timothy to Corinth from Ephesus um, uh, with 1 Corinthians. The guilty parties did not accept his discipline passively. His bold rebukes caused them to lose faith and spark deep resentment. They counterattacked by impugning his motives, methods, and person to undermine his authority in the church. The result, some members continued as avid supporters of Paul, some waver, and some compromise comprise a determined element of resistance to his leadership. Uh, Paul has changed his plans from what he had sketched out in 1 Corinthians 16, 5 through 9. Uh, Denise, you want to look that up? 1 Corinthians 16, 5 through 9? And then, yeah. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even send the winter, spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord, as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Okay, so that was what he had said in First Corinthians, but it turned out he wasn't able to come. 
And it turned out that they didn't treat Timothy right. Okay? They didn't listen. Okay? So as it says here, he intended to come to them after passing through Macedonia and perhaps spend the winter, as she just read. Later, he says he wanted to go to Macedonia, Macedonia via Corinth and then return before setting sail for Jerusalem, 2 Corinthians 1, 15 and 16. Instead, Timothy may have returned from Corinth with bad news that caused Paul to make an emergency visit. The visit turned out to be bitter and distressing for Paul. And we can read, we'll read that when we get into 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 1, 23, 2, 1, 12, 14, 13, 1. He was an object of, a, of an attack by someone in the community. And no one from the Corinthian congregation took up his defense. So things went from bad to worse. And Paul was uh, bitterly disappointed in how they treated him and how they uh, treated his attempts to bring repentance and reconciliation. So then Paul beat a hasty retreat and apparently returned to Ephesus and did not go on to Macedonia as previously planned. He then wrote the sorrowful letter from Ephesus in lieu of another visit, in which he sought to test their obedience. We can read about that in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 6. The letter apparently called on them to take action against the offender and to demonstrate their innocence in the matter and their zeal for him before God. After this letter was written, Paul's life became so endangered in Asia that he attributes his survival to God's miraculous intervention. Titus probably delivered this severe letter to the Corinthians. He stayed to ensure their repentance, to cement their renewed commitment to Paul, and to rejuvenate their dedication to the collection for the poor of the saints in Jerusalem. Paul had assured Titus of his confidence in the Corinthians' positive response to the letter, 2 Corinthians 7.14, and expected to hear some word from Titus about the Corinthians' Response to the letter. Apparently, Paul planned to meet Titus in Troas. He had an evangelistic opportunity there, but his nagging worries about the situation in Corinth caused him to leave this work. Presumably, when Paul realized that Titus was not on the last boat of the season, he assumed that Titus would now have to travel by land through Macedonia. He left for Macedonia in hopes of meeting Titus there. Now, this is all gleaned from parts of 2 Corinthians. All right, so I'm just giving you an overview so that when we start studying, we know what the situation is. Titus' arrival with good news about re, the repentance of the majority, 2 Corinthians 2.6, and their zeal for Paul greatly comforted him. His expression of joy in chapter 7 indicates that the severe letter and Titus's visit had repaired their breach. Healing a broken relationship takes time, as does complete ethical reformation. Paul responded by writing 2 Corinthians and sending Titus back with two brothers to complete the collection. Now, a, part, a major part of 2 Corinthians toward the end is about giving and this collection for the saints in Jerusalem. All right, So there's a big section about that. Um, Paul's concerned about, about ministry and about their receptivity. He defends his activities as apostle, makes an appeal for them to be receptive. Their affection for him, however, has been alienated by the presence of boastful rivals. You know, later in 2 Corinthians, he says, I've become a fool because you compelled me to. He said, it's foolish to boast about visions, and I would never do it. But because the false apostles were boasting about their visions, claiming they had superior authority because of their visions, Paul said, all right, let me tell you about my vision. But his vision turned out he couldn't talk about, and he got a thorn in the flesh because he had it to keep him from boasting. So this issue of boasting becomes a key issue because that was a contention there in 
um, Corinth. And the interesting thing about the Corinthian church and the Corinthian air is that it was based on sort of a strange combination of idolatry and hyper-spirituality. All right? They, they, they thought they were more spiritual than Paul, and he wasn't spiritual enough for them, but yet they were uh, taking part, some of them, in pagan idolatry. Just a quick comment. Yes. Isn't that about the same thing that you were just talking about with all this? Isn't it almost identical? I know. It's very identical to some things going on in some of the movements in our churches today around America where you have pagan idolatry. And, oh, Sorry. don't do that. <laughs> pagan idolatry and sort of a hyper-spirituality. And is a strange mixture. In fact, um, a lot of the airs that are current in our culture and in our churches today are certainly corrected by biblical material. Colossians comes to mind. Uh, Ryan's uh, new book, he has a nice overview of the problems in, that Paul addressed in Colossians. Uh, Colossians 2, that's going on. And the, and the errors in Corinth are being repeated. So you have a hyper-spirituality along with some pagan idolatry going on simultaneously. And then the, the true gospel preacher, Paul, I mean, what did they say about him? His, he's unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. And then in 1 Corinthians, the issue was he didn't speak the world's wisdom with the flowery eloquence that they wanted to hear. He just had this despised message of the cross. And um, Paul has to respond to these things, but his response is that, that he will glory in nothing but the gospel and the cross. And Jesus Christ and him crucified. He goes, rather than backing down to give them what they want as a true leader must do, he's going to stick with what's true, whether it's popular or not. And so, one of the things that we'll learn as we study through 2 Corinthians is Paul shares his heart about the ministry. He, he, in a sense, he bears his heart and what he's, what he's learned and what he's gone through and what the ministry is really all about. And so it's a good uh, study about what Christian ministry is supposed to be. And, and so uh, that will be very helpful to us. So they had the spiritual, they had the eloquent, they had the super apostles, but uh, they have, even have a word, he has a word for it, pneumatic koi, the spiritual ones, and flattered their sensibilities and claimed to have a hyper-spirituality. In Second Corinthians, Paul explains, I'm back to quoting here, why he changed his travel plans and why he wrote them the severe letter instead of coming himself. He justifies his frank criticism in that letter, letter of tears and his suffering and seeming weakness as an apostle. Because, see, when we look at uh, Paul, as we read the story about all the beatings and imprisonments, and we see an admirable person who God was using. But you've got to realize that they didn't see it that way. He looked to them like kind of a miserable failure. You know, because... They had a whole different value system about what's important. And so that Paul was in prison at certain times could be seen as lack of character. That he, that he was being beaten when he went in to preach could be seen as a lack of rhetorical eloquence. <laughs> if you were better at what you did, they'd want to listen to you. And so, but his defense was, no, the, what they don't like is the message of the cross, and that's all I'm going to preach. He says in 2 Corinthians, he says, if our, Message be lost is lost to those who Satan has blinded their eyes. 
In other words, Paul's not going to change the message to get a better reception. Amen. And, and isn't that what we were just talking about earlier? That we are being sold a bill of goods in the church today where pastors are said, I'm going to help you change your message so that it will be received by the pagan culture around. In other words, the people in your community will now like your message. And if they don't, uh, if it doesn't work, then you can just download mine. My, I know mine's been focus group tested. It will work. Yes, uh, Ryan. I mean, you look at the, the biblical definition of spiritual, if we're taking it as, as a sense of being filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit and carried by the Spirit. Is, it's so simple that Jesus defines what is going to define those who are this way. And, and the Spirit is going to come, and they're going to, the Spirit's going to come and glorify Him. Yeah. And that's... It's really simple to look. If someone is spirit-filled, they're going to be glorying in Jesus in his person and work. That is going to be what they are centering upon. And it's, it's inverted for all these people that think they're hyper-spiritual because the focus is on us, are on them. How's what spirit? can I get? Can I get rich? Can I get happy? Can I get healthy? Rather than glorying in Jesus and in the cross. And that really is what true being truly led and filled with the Spirit is, is the glory in Jesus and the cross. Because that's what Jesus defined the Spirit would do. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And we'll talk about that next week. Uh, prepare yourself for discussion on this. We're going to talk about prophecy. And, and the key verse is the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. Amen. Okay? That's in Revelation. So getting away from that, you people are trying to, you know, do miracles or signs and wonders, hoping that it'll attract attention to themselves. But Paul didn't try to attract attention to himself. Yes, Dan? Well, I'm not surprised that uh, broad light is the road to hell and the Holy Spirit draws few. There's going to be a lot of false teachers because several times I've been asked to preach and they'll collect the money from the lost. Can you imagine asking me to start a church? Well, the church was started at Pentecost. I didn't start nothing. But the lost asked me to start a church and they collect the money. There's going to be plenty of preachers coming along today because nobody wants to hear the truth. Now, add to it, I know of a preacher when I got saved through this particular fundamental where they told the gospel, and he was really dissatisfied that his church wasn't growing. So he said, what I'm going to do is add to it. Well, that's what the Catholic Church does. They say, we got that plus everything else. So don't be surprised. And you know what? We go door to door. Remember the apostles went door to door, and if they were invited in, put a blessing on the house which I get to do, go to their home, fellowship with them. A lot of them can't get out of their bed. A lot of them are old. A lot of them are in a nursing home. We can be God's ministers and take the gospel to the nursing home, to the neighbor. I mean, I know they're fretting out in California, but they ought to get together. And, and they got a little church for them. There were two or yeah, more. Yeah. And get busy. And, get, and they can get listen to you on the internet. Uh, that's what you... more trouble with the Mormons. And with the law, <laughs> sending your literature to them, and even the preacher, <laughs> I know, I know. Stuff again, because they're so angry with me that I dare send them your stuff. Dan, so the job can get done. I know, Dan. Thank you. You actually sent one of my articles to the your atheist friend, and he emailed me. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, Dan. By the way, that's what that group is doing. They're going to. They have a church meeting in their home. And I and I told them I'm going to try uh, uh, getting them all the material that we can to help them. Yes. I nominate Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Second hand nomination. All in favor? <laughs> okay, Dan. 
<clears throat> a couple more things about Corinthians here. The breach between Paul and the Corinthians was not simply over theological issues, but it had its roots in Corinthian cultural values that clashed with the Christian values he wanted to adopt. Uh, the Corinthian correspondence revealed that they were not yet comfortable in living out the scandal of the cross, but Paul kept calling them back to Christ crucified. That's what I was just saying. That's the theme. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to start a study on 2 Corinthians, by the way, Hebrews was, uh, for me, life-changing. Uh, when the next CIC article comes out, you'll see the effect of Hebrews. Because I basically took Hebrews to refute uh, healing of memories. Uh, but Hebrews was was a fabulous time. Three, And for as I said before, thank you for the three years that some of you were here for all three years to spend studying that together. But I think 2 Corinthians will help us too because it's going to reveal uh, the Holy Spirit's intention through Paul about what ministry is and what it really means to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and what sort of motives ought to be uh, identified with people who are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A couple other quotes here. Some Corinthians apparently did not share the same appreciation for his selfless suffering. To them, Paul cut a shabby figure. Religion, in their mind, was supposed to lift people up, not weigh them down with suffering. They may well... Have you heard people say that? Oh yeah, we want to have a positive religion that just makes me feel good and lifts me up and solves my problems. And that's what the Corinthians wanted. What kind of a what kind of apostle is suffering all the time? Um, what's that? I know. I've said that. people say, "Why are you so negative?" Well, you know, if you don't understand the bad news, you won't appreciate the good news of the gospel. Um, so the, the epistle is about Paul's ministry. Uh, I'll just conclude this as our introduction. The epistle is about Paul's ministry, which the Corinthians failed to understand. Um, they don't really understand it, so he reiterates what the ministry is all about. And he defends the gospel. And he says that they, Paul says that we renounce the hidden things due to shame. But open manifestation of the truth we have preached to you. And um, so that's what it's all about. And so I think we will enjoy however many years it takes us to go through Second Corinthians. And um, next week we'll discuss this thing that Ryan just brought up, the Holy Spirit. And you might want to prepare yourself, and you can share these things. We're going to share with each other. Maybe some of you would like to do a little study through the book of Acts. You know, you know uh, maybe take a quick read through Acts and keep in mind... What happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon people in Acts? And see, just see what they say. See what happens. See what the apostles do when they're, they're spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. What happens? And it's an interesting uh, phenomena. Patrick put on his website, on his Share Your Faith website. Somebody did that with an, went through Acts. If you want to go to his website, there's a link on our website. Somebody that he knows went through Acts and found out what happened to people every time they preached the gospel. It would be enough to scare you away from preaching the gospel. If you go to the website, shareyourfaith.org, I think it is, uh, there's this thing that Patrick has paid, uh, posted on there. And 
they just kept going back to the gospel. They get beaten and thrown out of town and thrown in jail and they go back to the gospel. So the point that the guy made was, why are we upset when we go out preaching on the street and people don't like us? What else is new? We're not even getting treated as bad as Paul was. Okay, so we'll see you upstairs at 1030. God bless you.